Hello and welcome to Cherries in Focus episode 24. Happy New Year to absolutely everyone. We hope you're doing very, very well. And we've got lots to talk about. I do apologise straight away that we weren't here on a stream last week. I did feel unwell leading up to the stream, but thank you for all the kind messages. But we are here. We are going to cover off those three games over the festive period. I've got John Spark with me. I've also got Josh Wyatt and I've also got David Codron. We are very, very close to 2,000 subscribers. We've gone over 1950, so a little bit more effort and we are going to get there. It's something that we set ourselves a target to achieve and we think we're going to do it very, very soon. So thank you for your help. Thank you for your help and continue with supporting the channel. Do hit the like button on this video. And of course, the interactive chat is open. So do say hello wherever you are in the world and do tell us your favourite moment of 2023 for AFC Bournemouth. It can be absolutely anything. It doesn't have to be just a goal. Absolutely anything. John Spark. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. How are you? What's your favourite moment of 2023? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone else as well, and and Merry Christmas. As we, uh, I suppose, doing it all in one. Uh, this video feels like a while since uh, since we've done one of these, isn't it? Um, yeah, I suppose moment of twenty twenty three. I suppose it is quite sort of like recency bias. Um, but Dom Solan- the Dom Solanke's hat trick header against Nottingham Forest is probably the one that that comes to mind. That's my third. Third visit in a row to Nottingham Forest Stadium. Third win in a row. Third third time we've come from behind to win there in a row. We did, did we come one nil down in that game? I forgot. You already. can verify that later if you want. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a um, wonderful, wonderful day and great for Dom Solanke as well, the player that we've. Uh, that, I as well got a little bit of flack from on beat the drop when I mentioned that Solanke had we turned down a bid for 40 million from West Ham for him and I said no it needs to be a decent bit more than that and uh Forrest Ant who I walked who I was at the stadium with just after he said uh yeah okay I see your point now yeah Solanke is absolute class um so he was uh he was fantastic and it was a great uh great win for us We'll get stuck into it. What a hat-trick it was. Much needed at the City Ground. Our second guest, he's been on before on a fan debate show. This is Cherries in Focus, his debut. Josh, how are you? Happy New Year. What's your favourite moment of 2023? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on again, and I hope everyone had a good and happy holidays. And my favourite moment from last year would probably be Atara at Spurs, the last-minute winner, I just think. The player as well who scored it, it was a special moment and sort of I think that was the moment that kept us up really that felt like we were going to do it after that one and gave us the momentum and it was a special away day I think because last year we didn't have too many of those. Mm. Yeah it's right up there I mean we have had a special away day this season recently up north as we know but um, not sure about the knee slide, Dango, but it was a great finish with your right peg as well. And our final guest this evening is David Codron from Australia. How are you? Happy New Year. And what was your favourite moment of 2023? Thank you, Kirk, and Happy New Year. Um, well, I would also have to go with uh, Dango at Spurs. It was my uh, only away day for, for the season, travelling over from Australia. And the other only other game was West Ham at home and we lost 4-0. So it was pretty easy uh, pretty easy to choose between the two of those moments. But I suppose we're going to be different then we'll have to go with uh, that away win at, uh, at Old Trafford this season. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. And my one, completely a little bit left field, but not really. It's signing up Andoni Iriola. I'd love him to have an assistant. Maybe that's to come in 2024. But he has definitely lived up to everything we wanted when when we signed him as a as a head coach. And more to come, please, Andoni, in 2024. Right, let's dive into the interactive chat for the first time this year. Hello, Chris. Hope you're doing well. Morgan Scott, thank you very much. Steve Connor, hope you're doing well. Mark Singleton, thank you very much. Cameron Meach, hope you're doing well. Stephen Dyer, positivity coming from Bill Foley. My highlight of 2023, Mark Cole. Thank you so much for joining this moment, 2023, when we beat Newcastle 2-0. First time we saw what Iriola can bring. Love it. Alan, evening all, on the trophy yellow smiling, something like that. 
and Paul from Oz is also joining us. So, yeah, tell us your favourite moment of 2023 throughout this stream, and we'll show them on the screen. Let's dive into it then, because we've got to pick off three fixtures since the last episode, and we kept our unbeaten away run going at Nottingham Forest, made hard work of it a little bit, but we got the 3-2 Dom Solanke hat-trick. Then we went home on Boxing Day to beat Fulham comfortably 3-0. And then just recently, we went to Spurs, and we lost 3-1, but we gave it a right good go. What that does mean, though, at the halfway stage for Bournemouth after 19 games is we're 12th on 25 points. John, we'll cover off a little bit from the games. I want to talk about some players that have turned up in this festive period. But I tell you what, after seven, eight games at the start of the season, I'll be biting your hand off for 12th and 25 points. Yeah, absolutely. Um particularly after the first eight or nine games, however long it was before we played um, Everton and we're going into the Burnley fixture off the back of no wins to start the season. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's a shame that the run has come to an end. We had four wins in a row, which was our best uh, run in the Premier League, tied with our best run in the Premier League, four away wins in a row, which I think was a new record for, for Bournemouth in the Premier League. Um it, it's just been such a really amazing period. I mean, if if Andoni doesn't get manager of the month uh, for, for December, then uh, something's gone horribly wrong. Um, and Solanke's in it with a really good shout of getting uh, a player of the month as well. So it's it's been a it's been a fantastic culmination of of you know as as was mentioned in the chat of of seeing what Iriola Ball would would look like and would become. And you know we'll get onto the Spurs game as well. But even that was just just was so much more even if it wasn't the result we got last season it was just such a different game so much more expressive and exciting to to, to watch and be um and be a part of um for watching that game so uh yeah it's, it's looking brilliant under uh, uh under the gaffer it is josh and it's exciting to go back to dean court i wake up in the morning i feel like i'm injecting the beautiful game into my veins again we went on the road to Nottingham Forest and I was very confident going into this. I think I predicted a draw, but behind the scenes, I was like, we can go and win there. I mean, the two times previous we had won and I was a little bit worried about a little bit of a manager bounce. We know that Espirito Santo come in for them. That's what football does. But look, it was pretty even for the first quarter. Then we know there was a red card, but we then had to go behind to then get us kick-started and Dom Solanke turned up and look, we got the job done. We made hard work of it, but it was always going to be a tricky game at the city ground, how it played out throughout the week. I think you got it spot on there where we got the job done. I do think we were the better team. But I was nervous going into this one because, as you said, the, the manager bounce. And if you've seen Forrest in recent weeks as well, they've been performing well under Nuno. And I think in the game, considering they had a red card, they made it hard work. I think, I mean, it, late on in that game, the crowd were getting behind them. And I think, we were probably the team in decline, really, and Forrest looked more likely to score for me. But, you know, it's a moment of magic and it's an amazing header from Dom. And, yeah, another three points and it's a, it's a great away win. It is a great away win, David, and we'll come to Dom Solanke in a moment. But I want to touch on another player that was in the starting lineup. a bit of a surprise here. We knew that we were going to have an issue at left-back. We only have one recognised left-back as it is. Kirk has posted before the game that he was pretty much injured and I was hoping to maybe see someone like Tavernier at left back and maybe Utara or Sinistera ahead of him but as the lineups come out David it would be Dangutara at left back and automatically in my brain I was thinking oh no he's a little bit edgy off the ball he's very edgy on the ball of late and that that put concerns into my head I think I said to, I said to John and Aaron in the pub that I, I had concerns of him giving away a sloppy penalty but he did all right. He did all right. Look, from a positional point of view from Dango, I don't think he's, he's a left back. And clearly he'll probably admit that as well. What we have seen as we go into the Fulham conversation as well is his pace and his heading ability has definitely saved him in that role over those couple of games. Yeah, I was also equally as worried when I saw that. Um, I agree with you. I thought Tavernier was probably the most obvious choice. He's, he's been there before. Um, and also left-footed, which Andoni likes to have where possible to have the, um, the the correct foot on the correct side um, when talking about left uh, fullbacks. 
Um, but, yeah, very pleasantly surprised from my perspective, um, both from his defensive capabilities, obviously agreed that his positional naivety at, at times were, was questionable, but as you said, his pace got him out of trouble, um, admittedly against teams in and around us, so he wasn't up against world-class um, attackers. But, yeah, he did the job as well as, as can be uh, can be hoped for. And also really enjoyed his um, his forward play and his ability to overlap and get get in an advance behind the opposition defence and maybe on another day and in later games I think he had some really good crosses and provided some really good opportunities for our strikers or attackers who unfortunately just didn't put them away. Yeah, and Josh, coming back to you, just look at Dangu Tara's heat map against Nottingham Forest and his overall performance, 7.9 on sofa score. Someone in the chat said, what clearance off the line? Was it going in, Josh? I'm not sure it was going in. However, is Dango to know that? I think it might have been sneaking in. I think it was going to hit the post. But... Depends what camera angle, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it was curling. It was definitely curling. But no, I think, I mean... He said it with his positional awareness, maybe he gets caught sometimes a bit flat-footed, but I mean, his pace is, is brilliant coming back and he, you know, he was strong in a tackle and he was strong in the air and I think he he defended really well, but I agree where I actually thought he looked most threatening in a Bournemouth shirt attacking uh, recently, especially against Fulham. I think on the overlap, he was really, he looked a bit more confident. I think just little pieces of skill, which we wouldn't really see Dango Tara do. Um, his pace on the attack as well is is brilliant, and he is a good crosser of the ball. Sometimes mm. maybe his his eyes and his feet don't work together, but I mean, if he can keep confident and and Donny keeps making him a better fullback, he could he could really push on and be a good uh, addition in this side. I think. Yeah, um, John, it was almost Dangu Taru put the ball in the box for our first goal at the City Ground, but it would end up coming back out to Senesi who would put a decent ball in. Now, it's taken Don Solanke nearly 50 games to score a header, and then he scores two in one game, and he is becoming a really fantastic striker. Look, I had doubts about Don Solanke before we got relegated. He wasn't a striker that wanted to be really ambitious in front of goal. He would rather get assists, and then in the championship in the first season, he got 15 goals, and he was hitting shots down the goalkeeper's throat, and then he really come alive in that second championship season. He was finding angles. He was being more selfish. Then last season, he had to do a bit of a role at times under two different head coaches, and now, and I'm happy to admit it, I think we're really seeing an all-round striker, and you don't have many of them in the Premier League. No, he's 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 the complete striker. There's no doubt about that for me. And I did feel he he's been on the road to that for the last sort of three seasons, really. Um, but what you've sort of got in terms of, you know, last season he was asked to do a very, you know, as you said, a very different role, an incredibly defensive role. Not really able to. Well, he wasn't really given many chances last season. He was, I think, throughout all of the last sort of three years, he's been roughly online with his xg with a with a slight underperformance in each season really by maybe half a goal but this year um you know he's he's found that confidence i mean that helps a lot by by scoring the first goal uh of our season at, at home to west ham so it gives him a great footing to to build on from there but you know, he's just got that confidence. He's been told to play very central, but he's also what I feel has helped him a lot more recently is having a player that's a lot closer to him and supporting him better. Um, in obviously, it's been Cliver in sort of more recent games, but you know, Billing does a decent job of that generally. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a case of. I mean, he said himself uh, a little while in. I think after the Nottingham Forest, he said, "Feed me, and I'll score." Um, and that's just the confidence that he's that he's uh, going into games like right now. And you know, it's a, he was he's, he's still going to miss the odd few chances. You know, heck, the the player that missed the most big chances last season was Haaland. Mm. You know, you you keep giving chances. You know, he's going to miss the odd one. And obviously, we'll come to Spurs. He missed a really good header that he should have scored right at the start of the Spurs game. He completely messed it up. So, you know, it's he's still got a lot to work on with his headering. But um, those those two against against Forest were 
were amazing. Two very different styles of headers as well. One, a guiding sort of a beautiful cross from Sanessi, just guiding that up and over the keeper. Um, and then the third one, putting so much, having to get so much power into it. Admittedly, terrible marking from Forrest. He was completely unmarked for a free header. But to get it from essentially where he was near the penalty spot into that top corner, where even if the keeper getting a hand on it, couldn't keep it out. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And, and the second one, to be fair, is just showing the kind of confidence that he's got at the moment in it, very similar to his West Ham goal. He's just the first one to move at the moment. He's got that killer instinct right now to make the first move. Um, and that's already got him a few goals this season. It'll get him several more before we finish the year, I reckon. And David, something happened on Boxing Day. There was a great vibe inside Dean Court and we were taken on Fulham. And we always have a good vibe against Fulham as well. We've got a pretty good record against them. I felt like we were playing a Fulham side again at home that weren't the strongest. So previously they didn't have Willian and Mitrovic. This time they didn't have Jimenez and Willian. And I felt like you get a, you get a Fulham and I, I don't think they, they, they were going to trouble us. And they didn't really. But in that second half, talking about Dom Slanky again, we got a thing called a penalty. David, I had to look it up just to see what it is. Um, and it explains that there's a there's a round thing in the box that you put the ball on, get 12 yards, you ultimately get a free shot. It took 609 days since the last one. It wasn't the last one that Dom Slanky took against Fulham in the Championship because he had one at Swansea. But he did have a penalty against Fulham in the Championship down the north stand end I think he went the other side previously this time he went that way to the keeper's left put it away and he um took his took his numbers to 12 Premier League goals yeah um who knew all he had to do was stop with the ball in the box and somebody would run into you should have tried that tried that 600 days ago um but yeah no he definitely looked really confident stepping up so he must have been taking them in training because obviously hasn't had any opportunities in games but um yeah it was just a a, a professional performance from the, the entire team like you said fulham's attacking threat were were, were non-existent the main players that provide that attacking threat were out and we just controlled the game and a little bit of fancy footwork and running through the through the uh, fulham defense by scott set, setting up clivert and we were we're on our way. Yeah. Stephen Dyer says in the chat, Slanky not playing so deep. I mean, he's everywhere. He yeah. is everywhere, but he's in the right places now and he's offering a press. Yeah. He just does so much work for the team. But ultimately, like John's spoken about, he's in the box. He's anticipating a number nine movement and he's adding goals. Josh, that Fulham game, though, at nil-nil, we needed something special to unlock that defence of Fulham, break them down, and then we could start to add more goals. And it come from a player that's showed promise. He come into the club on a big money from Bristol City. He had to come in where there was injuries, play a deeper role. And funnily enough, he's got himself fit. And guess what? He's got to play a deeper role again because we've got injuries at centre defensive midfielder. But he was the driving force to then get an assist for Justin Cliver, who took his goal just about. David might disagree. But he took his goal just about. He went under the goalkeeper. Alex Scott, what a guy. What a drive. That's what he's got in the locker. I do want him to play higher up when we've got more players fit and we've got Tyler Adams and Lewis Cook fully fit. I do want to see Alex Scott potentially in that number eight or number 10 because he's the one that can play between the lines. He's the one that can really unnerve defensive teams. And um, he was the player that that drove through that midfield of Fulham and, and got the assist for Justin Clover. Yeah, and that's why we signed Alex Scott, isn't it? That mm. press resistance, the fancy footwork, the Guernsey Grealish, if you will. And I thought what was big about that for a player of his age as well, because he did something similar at Forest and he gave the ball away for first Forest goal as well. He's made a mistake. And then the yeah. week after, he's he's taken the ball from almost his own half into the box. And he's had the composure as well to give the ball to Cliver. I mean... We saw him, obviously, at Spurs as well in more of an eight role when he came on for Christie and he's, he scored two goals, if you will, one without VAR. But, you know, if we can keep him fit and maybe we do push him in a more eight role, I mean, some people have been asking for him in the number 10 role as well. But, you know, he's 20 years old. I mean, the potential on him must be, yeah, big. Yeah, massive. John, he's going to be a big time player for us and... I said, Steve, you know, Steve made a good point a few episodes ago. He says, 
that we all want Alex Scott in this side, but the way we were playing at the time, how did you squeeze him in? I mean, you squeeze him in. I mean, this player's got to be put on the team sheet and you build it around him and the likes of Solanke and you might have Sabani. You've got that spine and then you build the team around it. Yeah, to a point, but he's 20. Like, let's just hold off for a minute because <laughs> we do have, you know, Cook in sparkling form. We've got Christie playing... You know, I don't know what kind of player I'd, I'd assign to his role. Guy that never stops, you know, little energizer bunny that goes around, but real quality to to go with it and providing some really nice passing from sort of deeper positions than he was taking up as a number ten. Um, and as um, was quite rightly pointed out by Josh, he messed up for, for Forrest's mm -hmm. first goal. Totally unnecessary. Could have played a pass. Tried to play it past the only striker that was anywhere near him. And in the end, we conceded when we should never have really looked like doing so from that position. So he's still young. He's still going to make mistakes. Um, but he's, yeah, very, very intelligent player. Um, and, yeah, has got all the qualities to go big in the own. I mean, he's, he's played basically everywhere in midfield for Bristol before he came to us. And we've obviously played him now as a six and an eight. Um, and, yeah, he could play as the ten. Um but yeah, I do feel as though you know that that Fulham game was probably probably one of the best Bournemouth. Actually, no, that, that's weird. It wasn't one of the best performances from Bournemouth because I actually don't think we played that well. It was just the most comfortable victory I've ever seen us in possibly in the Premier League. It was yes, Fulham didn't offer much. I do think that their striker actually was one of the most difficult for our defenders to handle. Um, he did really well at holding the ball up, but Fulham just couldn't get into our third and keep the ball for very long. Um, Never looked like scoring, and it was the most comfortable victory I've ever seen us produce. And it was, uh, you know, obviously a little bit of shine put on the end with uh, with Sinny's goal that we have to mention as well, which was a glorious strike. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was just a really pleasant game to watch for us, uh, and uh, was was yeah really enjoyable. It was a good Christmas vibe, I must admit, David and Sinistera. Is a player since Crystal Palace, I think, where he started to really show what he can do. And it was an absolute rocket. The minute it left his foot, it was only going in one place. I don't even know why Leno died for it. I mean, you just see it in because it was that good. It was a great strike. I don't know where we are with Sinistera long term, but I am seeing a player and I don't want to do any disjustice really to Jaden Anthony because I think he is a fan favourite. I think he's come through the ranks. I've got a lot of time for Jaden Anthony. But when I look at Sinistera now, as he's developing and you can really see what the recruitment team saw in him, is a, is a guy that wants to take on a fullback. He wants to play forward and he, ha and he has got a weapon in that right foot. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been a big fan of Sinistera back from when he played at Leeds, when he actually did play because he was injured a lot. Um, but yeah, somebody who's got so many weapons, the ability to, on the ball to manipulate it, his his weight of passing, I think, is probably the best of our three um, main wingers, um, and the ability to to shoot. The amount of times I've seen our players shooting the ball just rolls along the ground into the goalkeeper's gloves. It's just really nice to see somebody who um, has got one in the locker that he can put in the top corner. So it's it's nice to have, and I, I'm I'm pretty hopeful. I hope that we do keep him. Um, but obviously time will tell and see what happens with that one. What that did mean, Josh, as the full-time whistle went at home against Fulham, was that our form was really, 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 really good. So let's take a look at the short form guide as that full-time whistle went. And we were the best team in the league, Josh. I mean, if you finish the season now, we're picking up the trophy. But that was seven unbeaten. That's a joint record for the club and then I think we were four unbeaten away from home that's a record and four consecutive wins in a row is also a record that I think John's mentioned already in this episode and what what an unbeaten run what what performances we've had different performances and it's just been a joy to watch and this is what most people wanted to see when Bill Foley switched it up. Yeah I think it has been a, a joy to watch and you know it's, it's nice going to a football match and having a smile on your face watching them. But I think the thing that is I've enjoyed most personally is is the players having a smile on their face and mm -hmm. seeming really together. I mean I don't we did have it at the end of last year, but I don't think fans, managers, players have all been together really since Eddie has won. And I think the club just felt like that in this in this time. And you know, we really felt like we were 
just couldn't be beaten at that time. And you know, someone said in the chat, uh, the build up for the Sinistera goal, how good that was. Just some of the football is we couldn't have asked for much better considering the start of the season. I mean, really poor, but it really sent, seems like it's clicking. And you know, Spurs were unlucky, but I'm sure we can continue and we'll be fine this year. I mean, it only feels like yesterday, John, in a way that we were looking at the squad going, is Smith up to it now? Do we have any partnerships? Do we have any leaders? Do we have any any sort of cohesion? And now I look at it and go, well, we do have partnerships. We've got Sabani and Senesi that have done really well. We've got a midfield of Christine Cook. Smith looks like he's rolling back the years. You've got Dom Solanke scoring goals like Callum Wilson done, if not better and it's so weird how a few months and good performances and confidence building can just change like that. And I'm loving it. I know we're not going to win every week, but it's been a great spell for us over Christmas. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I do. It's interesting because partnerships is something that I, I, I know that we've talked about before in terms of that was basically the Eddie blueprint is that you had partnerships all over the pitch. You had the two strikers, the two centre midfielders, the two fullbacks and the two sets of outside players. Um, but this this team was is not necessarily about uh, the partnerships. It's it's can the players follow the plan? Um, and, you know, in the first in the first sort of like first six games it was like okay they're learning the plan and then, you know it'll come to fruition and then it was arsenal everton and it was like okay they've got no idea what they're doing um and and obviously later down the line it turns out dominic like admitted to basically like yeah this this was all going over our heads it was too difficult we weren't able to put in the plan it was and then i do feel like iriola leaked sort of pulled back a little bit on some of the things, tried to make sure they got more of the basics down. And then the confidence builds after Burnley and, and the rest of the games, we start getting those wins. Um, and whilst, you know, I think we've had occasional issues with depth, um, I think generally you can see the strength of the squad coming together with that sort of comfort of everyone being, knowing their roles, knowing their jobs, being able to implement them. Um you know, still feel I think we can definitely do a little bit of business in January. Um, you know, certainly need to shore up that left back position above all else. But yeah, it, it's just it's all come together really well, um, particularly over obviously the course of the last sort of month and a half. Good evening to everyone joining us on YouTube and Twitter. We are streaming live. Wayne Walden's just joined us. He's a Fulham fan. He is a he does enjoy this channel, though. He does pop in. So we have just spoke about that win against Fulham. We'll go on to Spurs in a minute, David. But I do want to pick off a few points from Nick in the chat. Nick Osborne, the build-up and finish to Sinistera goal just well. Ever seen a better team goal at Dean Court? I don't know. I mean, not a team goal. I'm thinking like Charlie Daniels and Matt Ritchie's goals. But they weren't team goals. They were just wonder strikes. Um, Nick Osborne also says, David, can't believe I'm watching games mostly on the telly, feeling confident, not missing the torture of sitting back, trying to defend a 1-0 lead or hang on for a point. Because what I've seen in this good run and even a little bit before, Andoni is making like-for-like -like changes. We're taking wingers off four wingers. We're keeping that proactive attack going. We want to win games. We want to sort of close out games from Crystal Palace 1-0, Kiefer Moore scores 2-0. And this is very different to what we've seen under Scott Parker, maybe, definitely under Gary O'Neill, where we're trying to hold on to leads. You can think of like Southampton when we're 1-0 up. And if it wasn't for Shea Adams' toe, that's 1-1. And there's a few scenarios like that. And, and I love it. We're going for games. I know we're not going to win every week, but it's the football that I want to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're talking about Solanke and his and his goal scoring increase, we talked a lot about what he's done to improve that. I think a big uh, contribution to his to his output has been the proactivity of the team and the amount of chances that he's been exposed and provided with. It, I can't remember probably since Eddie days having 10, 15 shots on goal, having 10 plus corners per game, the amount of attacking that we're doing, whether we're behind level or in front has just been it's just been a pleasure to watch and just really enjoying this spell of football and for those that do like stats i know andoni's already wrapped up a few records he's chasing down another one so i think josh might know this as well because he's all over a lot 
really. So um, I think we're on 10, 11 consecutive game scoring. And I think the record in the Premier League is 12. So if we do score against Liverpool and we do score after that, that could be another record because Andoni's chasing these down now, Josh. You know, some outside media are like, you've made a mistake, you're going to pay for it. And it's clicked and it's working. And we're looking fantastic. And we'll go on to Tottenham in a moment. But yeah, I mean, scoring in every game, we want to go to football games to see goals, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we will talk about Spurs, obviously, in a minute. But going to, you know, Tottenham and having 24 shots, when have we ever mm. done that before? You know, we're playing with braveness. I mean, as you said about the subs, I just love when we're, even when we're winning, when you're bringing on Sinistera or someone, it's just, we're not trying to sit back. We're going for another goal. We're going to, we're going to shoot more. We're going to go for it. And, you know, it's the football I want to see. And I'm sure it's fun to be on the pitch playing it as well. So, yeah, it's all going well. OK, John. So it was New Year's Eve. And I think we lost last New Year's Eve against Crystal Palace 2-0, I think. We lost at home. I can was, remember being yeah, there. It was terrible. one of our worst performances was, of the season. Yeah, it was terrible. One. I think it was last year. I think, I'm sure it was. And um, we went to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They must have been panicking a bit. They had more suspensions. They've got a depleted squad. We obviously beat them 3-2 last season. We'd had this good run lead not to Tottenham that I just said, go for it. You've got nothing to lose now. They should be favourites, even with their, their issues that they're having. And we did go for it. Like Josh said, we had 24 shots. The difference... Some of the differences were they were more clinical. However, didn't start great. Neto handed them a chance to take the lead, which they took. We've had these conversations about Neto earlier on in the season. He seemed to have had a break, come out the squad, gone back in. And because we were defending better and the confidence had come into the side, we were OK. Is it a case that Neto goes under the radar when we are winning football matches and we are doing very well? But if you have an off day and you're not taking your chances and Neto does throw in a mistake, it's highlighted again. Well, what I would say is that um, is that he didn't exactly miss a save that I would expect him to make. Um, in a lot of recent games, I can't think of a mistake that he's made. It's I I would say that it's, it's not about um, him going under the radar necessarily because I think he has actually, you go through... Going back through our games, Fulham, Forest, United, Palace, Villa, Sheffield United. I can't think of any real mistakes that he's made in any of those games. I mean, may have messed up passing out the back, maybe against Sheffield United. Um, I didn't really catch most of Palace, but um, you know, I it's it's not that he's been making mistakes and it's just not noticed. He just hasn't been making any, but. That, of course, is not to say that he wouldn't make them again. I do think last season he very much got away with the fact that he made a lot of mistakes last season, but they never cost us a goal. And that is a feel of one of the reasons why everyone was so enamoured with Neto and how we all felt that he was such a good goalkeeper and were pleased for him to stay on is because even when he did make mistakes, we didn't concede. Um, it just didn't happen. Not, not once, really, do I remember last season that happening. Whereas this season, he's made a bunch of mistakes that have led to goals. And when you say mistakes, it may not even be necessarily a mistake to the keep to the goalkeeper or to the keeper's staff, it's that he's punched something that we'd all rather he catch. And then there's been a goal, you know, what that happened twice against Everton. Um, and in this game, you know, when it was showing up on match of the day, and it was because I was there, I thought he just made a horrible mistake and just completely messed messed up his clearance. But no, he's trying to pass it to Christie. And if he gets if he hits that ball slightly harder or hits aims it two yards to the right, it ends up with Christie. He plays a first time ball round the corner, and we've beaten six of their men in two passes. That's the risk reward. And that's what Iriola will have told him to do. I was very frustrated with him when it happened but looking at it back i'm just like you know that's just as much down to the manager it is as it is the player and i spoke to wolverine on forest fan tv and i build up to the forest game i said he asked me about the keeper and i said yeah there's no issues with Neto at the moment but i guarantee you there will be questions called up against him at some point in the future because he will make another mistake and he has but i do think this one will probably be blown more out of proportion than it needs to um it will be further down the line that if he continues to make that exact same style of mistake, then there are more serious issues and we need to look at bringing in a more def more capable ball-playing goalkeeper. But, uh, I mean, there was a comment, I can't remember who it was somewhere in the chat about that we should maybe look at bringing Travers in instead. Um, 
because he's fed. Oh, there we go. It was Luke Andrews bringing Travers because he's fed up with Neto's mistakes. Travers is no better than Neto on the ball. He's going to make the exact same mistake at some point further down the line. So it's 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 just like you've got to sometimes place your keeper strengths, and sometimes you know Neto, Neto will make those mistakes now and again. And with a with a pressing team like Tottenham, they were able to capitalize it on it. So mm. um, you know it's, it's it's a difficult balance that you have to strike sometimes. Yeah, tough conditions, Josh. You were there at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when Neto makes that mistake, and we're in good form and. And you sort of like, well, we're playing well, so we're probably going to create lots of chances. But how are you feeling when that first goal goes in? Because it is maybe an uphill battle then. You're on the road. Yeah, I do completely agree with John. I think, you know, when that has gone in, you are the Spurs crowd are on you and it's they're sort of in their rhythm. I do think we started OK as well. I thought we were on top and it was just, just a silly, silly error. And I, don't, I don't think Neto's been bad as of late. But yeah, as you said, um, when you make a mistake and they're going to score from it is going to be scrutinised. And I think I saw a quote from the Echo that said he chose the impossible pass or something like that. So it's just, it's one of them. And Spurs, mm. are just, when they're pressing, they are going to capitalise. And I mean, they had three big chances also and they scored three of them. It's just world-class players, you know, you give the ball away like that, what do you expect really? But David, it was all about just trying to get something from the fixture. I think there were chances both ends, but we absolutely dominated the shots, not on target, but the shots. Alex Scott, we've already spoken about, has got his Premier League debut goal or his first goal in the Premier League. And that's great for him on a personal level. Just some of the goals we conceded, as I said, tough conditions. I mean, I was just trying to gather as much as I, I could from people and stats. And I was looking at it, David, going, this does not sound or look like a 3-0 game at that point. No, definitely not. I remember after them scoring the first goal and we would have a chance and I'm like, oh, we're going to we're gonna um, rue the fact that we've missed that one. And then we'd have another chance. And, I, and eventually I transitioned to thinking we're going to be okay here because eventually... The way we're playing, we're going to score. We're going to score here. Um, unfortunately, we just missed a bucket load of chances, and that ended up. It was always going to be difficult to maintain that through the the, the ninety minutes and not concede, not um, give up very good chances at the other end. And ultimately, yeah, with the conditions and um, Aaron's having to come on, and unfortunately, he wasn't quite in line with the defence, and and they caught us for that. Um, for that sun goal, and uh, actually, I can't remember that he may have been out of line for the uh, for the Rashalison goal. But yeah, unfortunately, it just was ultimately going to be a case where they were going to have chances on the counter attack. They missed a couple of easy ones, and it was just a game where they took their chances, and it took us until the 80th minute to take ours, and we move on. And yeah, hopefully, next game we we take those chances. Yeah, definitely. Just finally in the chat then, just to cover off this Spurs, John, I mean, there are conversations about potentially having a conversation with Arsenal about Aaron Ramsdale. I don't think that really has any hope. I mean, I'd absolutely love to see it. I said earlier on in the season before a ball was kicked, um, just to quickly go back to Neto, I said, look, I'm comfortable that Neto will be our goalkeeper and I think we can get through this season. I felt we had enough in the squad. I was confident that Andoni Iriola would come in and, and make us an attractive team to play and I didn't feel we'd be in a relegation scrap really I know the first seven games didn't start well and I sit here now thinking I don't think we're going to be in a relegation scrap we've got about 15 more points to pick up before we can really be comfortable and then let's see how high we can finish I'm still in the same position though John is that if you are you've got to make a decision about Mark Travers right and I think it's got to happen very soon you've got to decide is Mark Travers got the potential to be a number one and if we're not confident in that, we have to be thinking next summer about bringing in a goalkeeper like Aaron Ramsdale or someone that's going to be younger, but going to be the next goalkeeper for four or five years. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with you that in terms of like Neto's age, Neto's age in, to an extent, but I think he's 31. Is he 33? I want to think 33. He's still in his early 30s. So, I mean, he's still got five decent years as a, as a goalkeeper to come and you know he is very much a middle of the premier league standard goalkeeper he's he's not, he's not you know he's he went to barcelona and, and juventus but he was only ever, ever there as a backup so he's i and i think people forget like boric wasn't exactly great 
um, for long periods under under Eddie. We had we had plenty of times when he rushed out a goal unnecessarily, made howlers, you know, trying to block something and couldn't kick with his feet very well. So I do think that you know we we there is a tendency to be frustrated at Neto because of a few of the things that he does. But I think for for the position that we're in and the the position that we're looking to get to, I do think that goalkeeper is not really that high on the priority list right now it could be and it could be the way that uh, but we might already have the solution in, in travers um mm. so um it, it you know there's there's definitely conversation to be had um about net about the goalkeeper position but it's certainly i don't feel like it's necessarily one that the management are going to be too concerned about at the moment but you know we'll we'll see what that's like and what position we can achieve this season to finish off the spurs chat i do think that um that that first goal makes a huge difference in the game. It just it, you know, it's it's. I mean, no, no duh that you know it changes the game state, but it really does allow Spurs to just play the best of both worlds in their game. They can still press high, they can still have quite a high line, but they've got such venom in in the counter attack. Um, but then weirdly, the main reason that we conceded and didn't really capital and didn't continue to make more chances was firstly because Watara went went off. Uh, mm. which is not something I was expecting to say. Aaron's clearly very rusty, miles behind the line for the second goal, and then just completely gets done by very basic movement from Brennan Johnson and doesn't have the pace to get back at him like Watara would have been able to do. Um, and then I do find, as much as it's kind of like, it seems to be a set set of substitutions for Iriola, he always makes these subs, but Cliver and Sinistera going off on this, what was it, 65th minute or whatever, whatever that was. Christie going off was big as well, but those two were just... Sinistera and Cliver were combining so nicely. I thought Cliver had one of his best games. Sinistera was fantastic. Um, and, you know, Semenyo did nothing for the most part mm. coming on. He really was quite ineffective. And I've been disappointed with Tavernier over the last couple of games as well. So um, be careful. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he's my fave. So be very yeah. careful. But I mean, come on. You, you saw him against Fulham. He really didn't do anything <laughs> in that game. Um, and he was he was frustratingly slow on the ball against mm. Spurs. We you just got to see fifty percent of our attacks in those first thirty minutes went down the left hand side. Tavernier wasn't getting involved much in the game because we weren't getting anything through him. So um, I do I do think he needs a rest. Um, mm -hmm. And we've got the players to come in for him. So I, I would like to give, see him give him some give him some downtime and hoping he he comes down off the bench and makes an impact in later games. Got an assist though, Josh, didn't he, Marcus Tavernier? I'm sure he got an assist. Yeah, he did. I think he did, but I am I'm gonna have to tread on eggshells and agree with John. I have to say Tav has been poor. I thought he was yeah. poor at Luton as well for however long that game lasted them. And um yeah, I did think he was poor. And Sinny shouldn't have come off as well, I agree. Mm. He had some nice runs and good control. I thought he was dangerous. You lot are very brave tonight <laughs> talking about Marcus Tavernier like this. To be fair, to be fair, and I'm gonna say this, my boy, like he's a massive Dom Solanke fan, and he goes, He's my goat. That's what that's what my boy says. And he knows how much I like Tavernier, but he has said, Dad, Tavernier, he's, he's been he's been a bit off it. And he said that after Fulham, to be fair. Um, but no, I I, I like Tavernier. I think he's he's very adaptable, I think he's very versatile, I think he gives us lots of options when he's on it. He's on it. I think it takes him a while to get going as well. And then he peaks and troughs potentially. But when he's really on it, I want to see him in the team. But fair comments, what you've said. Um, let's just go back to an interesting comment in the chat from Mark Singleton. Hey, Kirk, has Steve been kidnapped by Mickey Mouse? So Steve obviously had Christmas in Paris with his family. Steve is back. I think he's arrived back late. Steve is actually going to be on a show on Thursday. So we've got another st stream coming up. So we didn't have a stream last week. So, hey, why don't we go for two streams this week? So we're going to have a stream on Thursday, 8 p.m. on YouTube and Twitter, UK time. We're going to have an FA Cup special. Steve Hensman will be with me and two other AFC Bournemouth fans. So make sure you join us for that. We are currently on Cherries in Focus, episode 24. We're coming to the last part of this show where I'm going to ask the guys what they think we need to do in the January transfer window. Do we need to do anything in the January transfer window? But it is a good time for you on YouTube to smash the like button, subscribe. And if you're watching this back on replay, tell us your thoughts in the comments.
smash that like button then, especially for Josh and David, who are joining us on their first debut of Cherries in Focus. And Josh, now the tags for Twitter, X, um, you'll see it below their name. Go and follow Josh because he does some really good articles as well. And he's got some great opinions on X. And Josh, I'm sure you're going to have your eyes over AFC Bournemouth in the January transfer window. I think I've read that Bill Foley said we're not going to be that active. It all depends maybe on what goes out. What are you expecting from January? Some small thoughts. We might do some content through this January transfer window, but what's your early thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to be boring and say it depends on outgoings. But um, no, loans, I think, is, would be my ideal one. I think uh, back up left back and mm. be a competition for Dom. I suppose you could make a case for a midfielder, but that depends on Tyler Adams and I've got no idea on that. So yeah, probably loans and depends on outgoings for me. Steve will be back for QPR. He's going to the game. Yes, David. Will Lloyd Kelly be a Bournemouth player at the end of this January transfer window? Will Don Solanke be a Bournemouth player? Of course he will. He's going nowhere. Yeah, I think somebody would have to come in with an extraordinary offer to uh, to to get um, Bournemouth to accept a, a bid for Solanke. So pretty confident he'll still be there. Um, Kelly, I've got no idea about. I haven't really kept up with what the, the latest uh, that's coming out of the club. Obviously, he's injured at the moment and there are some clubs circling. So I think he will obviously dictate um, and obviously the injury to Kirkes whether there is some business done for left for left back. I think if we have all th uh, those two available and now Dango Atara as a third choice left back, I don't think the urgency is there. And I've yeah, had that exchange with John over Twitter about that a few weeks ago. Um, oh, I missed this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think with uh, uh, Striker, I think, yeah, I think we'll see what happens with Kiefer Moore, but I think it wouldn't hurt to um, to yeah. get a, a different sort of backup striker in, maybe go back in for Pats and Dacca uh, from Leicester and see whether that's something that we can we can get. But I think those are the only two, and obviously depending on Kelly and yeah, I mean, I was thinking this about Dangu Tara, John. I know we've spoken about him in this episode, but although he did well on enthusiasm and he put in some good performances, I was sitting there thinking, has he solved his problem to get more minutes? And has he solved our problem about not having enough left-backs? But I think as time goes on, I'm not sure he's a real left-back and he might get caught out over time when that enthusiasm comes down a little bit. But he could probably still do a job there. His, his pace and his head and ability, as I've said, definitely can add value at left back. But um, I suppose Bill Foley spent all the money he wanted to do to secure Premier League status last year. I don't think we're in any danger, really, of going down. So does he splash a lot of cash now? No, I don't think so. Um, and, he, and he's gone on record already to say that he thinks it's going to be a quiet window um, and said that the door is well and truly bolted for outgoings in terms of the our big players. Um, but I'm sure he will be very much considering any options that come in, uh, offers that come in for Kiefer Moore. I believe he's been heavily linked to Cardiff. He turned down Millwall in the summer and he doesn't really fit in, in the, um, in the Bournemouth, uh, in, in the, in what we want from a Bournemouth striker. I do think that, you know, maybe if he was a bit younger, maybe if he was in a bit more form, then he's a really useful option to bring off off the bench. But you know, when he came on for against Forest, everyone around me was just sort of like, "Oh my god, really? We're resorting to this now, are we?" Um, he's he's not got a lot, unfortunately. His, his credit in the bank has, has started to run dry amongst Bournemouth fans, I think, unfortunately, which is a shame. Um, uh, but obviously, we'll always be remembered for for that goal against Forest in, in the championship. Mm. But um, yeah, certainly, if if he goes out, I would expect to see some sort of movement even with a striker. I do like the idea of Semenya playing as, as as the backup striker, but I think that uh, in the Stoke game, he certainly didn't impress, and his other opportunities to play up as a nine haven't really shown him too well. So I think I prefer to bring, you know, a, a genuine competition and something up front. Dakar is a very Dakar certainly is a much more just run beyond the lines has the lightning pace to 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 really take advantage of, of an opposition high line and could be something a little bit different for certain games that particularly against big teams that are going to press us high 
would have been very interesting against Spurs, actually, I think, uh, if if we'd had him. Um, and then I, I do think a reserve left back, just a loan, six-month loan to, as, as competition, and, and Kelly would operate more as a centre-back. Um, those, you know, those are sort of my thoughts. But I do, to, to just put on, on Thanga Watara there at left-back as well, I do think he is still a decent option at left-back for... Mm purely because of his pace in i think one of one of spurs most impressive players for me in that game was uh destiny Udogi. there were two times that we got in behind and he comes out of nowhere and just takes it off Solanke's toe um and even if you have someone that's slightly out of position to have that kind of pace that that uh the water has can can get him back i mean i haven't really rated Carl Walker's positioning as a defender for years, but it doesn't really matter because he's the fastest player on the planet and he'll just get back and beat anyone. He doesn't need positioning. He just manages to make it work. Um, I'm not saying Watara's as fast as Walker, but you know it's, it, it works really nicely for, for someone at fullback to be able to make that covering, uh, those covering yards. So having said that, I do I do see him as a third choice uh, and just in emergency circumstances, but it, it gives him something to help get him out of, of bad situations. Yeah, Luke Andrew seems to be happy with what we've got to cover left back. Um, David, what I was thinking is if we actually sort of change our minds to actually think that Dan goes a left back, then I have concerns that the recruitment team might want to go out and buy another winger. <laughs> yeah, we've only got seven or eight now. Um, no, I think I think that's one position that we're we're well and truly well stocked in. Um, so I don't I don't expect to have any business in there probably for the next few years. Yeah, this one dropped today, Josh, about Reglon is available on loan. Again, that might be a tough deal to do. I mean, he's he's all right. He's done all right and he's played at some some top clubs, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about that one. Again, that might be a tough one to get over the line. Yeah, I did see we were linked, but I don't know. I think there's interest from Serie A or somewhere like that. Bigger clubs really, but I like Matson. That's the one I'd like from Chelsea if he was available. Just quick, sort of gets forward, really fits the bill. Similar to Kirkes, maybe, but I think he's a good player. He'd fit quite well for left back. But Regulon, if it's depth, I'd take him. But you know, if we can get someone like Matson in, I'd I'd much prefer that. Yeah, I think wages might be an issue. Mm, yeah, yeah I do think instead of us going after this window like we've previously done to go up and then secure our status. So I think we're going to see how this plays out. We'll definitely, I'm sure, have a plan and the recruitment team would have been working for months leading up to January. Coming back to the striker situation, Dave, and I don't disagree with what John's saying and many are saying about Kiefer Moore. I think the guy should have massive respect for what he's done for the club. And um, Thacker playing at Leicester, not sure. And I know that we were highly linked with him on, on deadline day. The, the only thing I would say, David, is it's going to be a hard task to bring a decent striker to the club that's effectively probably going to play back up. Yeah, it's, that's always the struggle is that you've got strikers want to, well, everyone wants to play, but strikers definitely want to play and score goals. And when their opportunities are limited to 20 minutes off the bench, then, um, and, and with Solanke, who's been playing 90 minutes, there's probably going to be a lot of games where he doesn't see any action. Um, it is going to be a hard sell, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the club can do. Yeah, Josh, do you have some details yeah. on Dakar? Yeah, I just wanted to add on Dakar. He has been relatively back in that Leicester team in January. I think he scored four in five games at one point, and it was averaging a goal or assist every 65 minutes. And he I think he scored nine in his last eight international games. So he is on form. I think Tom Cannon came back in, though as of late for Leicester and score some goals. So I'm not too sure because they have so many attacking options there. But you've got to think of AFCON as well. I think Dakar's going to that. So, you know, it's one of them ones where if we can get them on loan with maybe an option to buy, it's a good deal because I, I agree with John where it's a profile that I really want is the pace of Dakar. As Andoni, a lot of the time at Bilbao, when they played big teams, he went with a 4-4-2. And I think Dakar could link up with Don quite nicely. It's just that pacing behind late in games where tied defences, you can really punish them with someone like Dakar, I think. Yeah. And this came out today, John. I think James Hill is returning back to the club. What do you think that's telling us? Does that mean that Louis Kelly's going out or is it just us exercising another option at the back? Um, I think that could well be 
just regarding depth, probably. Um, with Kelly out, um, it means that we only have uh, three fit centre-backs, I would say, at the moment, with Mepham being the third choice. Um, Hill obviously has got his Premier League... Well, not he's, he's appeared in his first Premier League game. He didn't start, obviously, in the first game of the season against West Ham. It wasn't long after that he went to Blackburn. Um, from the sounds of things, he's done decently well over there as well uh, at Blackburn. I think um, I remember... Um, he went to oh god, was it Hearts in yeah. the champion mm-hmm. yeah. in the champ in in the Scottish Premier, Premiership last season? Did he play and in a back he, three as well? I think he did a bit, but I think it was it was more so that he really wasn't. It was sort of like his first game. He was like apparently immense for them, yeah. and then it was out of sight, out of mind for Bournemouth fans, and didn't realize he was getting a lot of stick from Hearts fans. Right. So I was concerned about his development if he's not cutting it in the third best team and third fourth best team in the in the scottish premiership which is essentially league one level is he going to be able to cut it higher up um and if he's doing well in the championship then that, that really suits us um and, and you know bodes well and he's got the physical attributes to 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 do it i really do think that and i think that you know at times i think he he showed some pretty nice touches in in preseason and was okay against West Ham when he came on. Um, so so yeah, I think I think you know if he's not going to get any game time, then I'm I would prefer him just to stay at Blackburn. But if it is a serious case of squad depth issues, then you know keep him around. Hopefully Kelly gets fit before the end of January, and if necessary, he can go back on into Blackburn um, right at the end of the deadline. So we'll see how the January transfer window plays out here on Cherry's Red Army. If it looks like it's going to be very active, then we might kick into some transfer videos. Otherwise, we might just cover off a few bits here or there. This has been episode 24, though, David. It's been some interesting conversations. We've had to wrap up three three fixtures over the festive period. And overall, it's been been fantastic for the club. But um, your your sort of summarisation, shall I say, 19 games, 12th again, just where you are and are you positive about the second half of the season? Oh, very positive. The last time I was on, I was have, telling you to re- we might need to rethink our expectations of 11th or 12th and we've got there at uh, the halfway stage. So what was originally a just do everything to survive season is now a, a season where we've got the opportunity to push for that top half and the football's the football's been great, so just bring on twenty twenty four and the rest of the season, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, Josh, are you happy about where we are right now? Because for me, it's all about just chasing down 38, 39, 40 points, and then where can we get to? Yeah, I'm looking up, not down. I think at the minute, and just in awe of some of our players, I think we've got some real talent, and the future is going to be very bright. So. You know, if we could get anywhere in mid-table, I'll be very happy. I love the way Josh said that, John, looking up rather than down. That's a nice feeling. And we have set ourselves a challenge of trying to replicate Brighton and get into Europe as quickly as possible. I need a holiday or I need an away day somewhere in Europe. John, it, it's good times at the moment. I'm I'm very happy. I think I predicted at the start of the season for us to finish 13th. We're currently 12th. And the way the season's unraveled, there's no reason why we can't try and fight for those places as close to 10. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've we've hit, we've we finished a day in 10th already. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, now three or so points behind that position, but with the game in hand. Um, great news about Tom Long here as well, obviously. He, has, he yes. posted uh, he posted on Instagram. So uh, great well to done. see that he's up and about and um, I hope that he's able to find a, a path uh, in, in or his career in football, even if it's not on the pitch. Um, uh, for his health so uh, great news on that but yeah we've got obviously got some big games coming up you'll be discussing the cup game on thursday with uh our second show of the week but uh yeah, yeah liverpool west ham forest fulham you know definitely some points available in those games and uh and keep looking onwards and upwards west ham midweek again even game been done again and it's a rubbish stadium as well. Not like rubbish as it looks. It's just not very football, is it? Um, running track, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John, thank you very much. Good to see you again. Great that we're back on the live streams. 2024, first one ticked off. 
Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks very much for everyone joining us and we'll see you for the next one. Josh, thank you for contributing on this one. Hope you've had fun and you've had some really good input. So have a good week. Keep up with everything. Let me know because I'll follow your stuff as well. Yeah, thanks for having me on again and uh, good luck on the Thursday show and up the cherries as always. Thank you very much. And David, over in Australia, absolutely loving the cherries, keeping up where you can. I mean, you must lose some sleep, David, on occasions, but but you're there, you, you're getting behind the team. Yeah, every week, lose lose a lot of sleep on the weekends. Um, but yeah, no, it's great great to um, yeah be here. It's always a pleasure to contribute and thanks for having me and up the cherries. Yep, and just like David, quick mention to our monthly members. Thank you to anyone who's donated or a monthly member at buymeacoffee.com slash cherriesredarmy. Details in the description below if you want to support the channel. But the best thing you can do right now is smash that like button on this video and subscribe as we chase down 2,000. Thank you to John. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to David. If you've watched this back on replay, thank you very much. Thank you to all the fans, wherever you are in the world, who have joined us interactively. Thank you for using the chat. It's been a great stream. First one of 2024. We're back on Thursday to talk about the FA Cup against QPR and a few friends, Asmi Begovic and Steve Cook. Until the next one, we'll see you soon. Up, cherries. Up the cherries. Up the cherries. Up the cherries.